I just ask today that from these three men, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, that uh, the, the, the examples you give us here in the Word are not maybe not the examples we would have chosen, Lord, but the examples of their faith that you chose to put in uh, your book of Hebrews, Lord, uh, they speak to us very clearly uh, about uh, having the faith to let go of the things of this world. And so, Lord, I, there's just a big lesson here, a lesson we all need to learn. And, Lord, I, we can only learn it by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I ask that uh, you be our teacher today, Lord. Uh, speak through me, and I just ask that you open every ear here to hear what you would have us to hear. And I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. Now, you're probably wondering, you know, man, Pastor, you've been in, you've been in the book of Hebrews a long time. And uh, it must be pretty important. And you've been in chapter 11 almost as long as you've been in the rest of the book. I mean, so chapter 11 must be extremely important. Well, I believe it is extremely important. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to please God? Do you, you, do you live to please God? Well, go back to verse number 6 of chapter 11. And what does it say? Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Anything we do that we do by the flesh, by our own strength, uh, not in the Lord, anything that we do is not, I don't care how pleasing it is to the world, it's not pleasing to God. It's what we do by faith that pleases God. By faith, we live in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we walk, and we talk with him, and we let him guide our lives. And so we walk by faith. As you receive Christ, so walk in him. And so we walk by faith. And so unless we're living by faith, it's impossible to please God. And so that's why we're spending so much time on this, because each little section here has this great lesson on faith that we want to learn, because we want to be pleasing to God. Well, I think maybe the greatest measure of our faith is our willingness to let go of the things of this world. I mean, to be willing to give something up. I mean, the Bible is full of admonitions about uh, telling us to let go of something so that we can get something so much better. God has something, if we'll just let go of those things of the flesh that we're clinging to, and we let go of those things, God has something so much better for us. Let me give you some examples. If you let go of your agenda, then guess whose agenda you're going to get? You're going to get God's agenda. He will direct our paths. If we let go of our angry and our worry, what, do we get in, what does God replace it with? Peace and joy. We know that, but we still want to hang on to our anger and our worry. Uh, if we let... let if we let go of unforgiveness, then God will give us a forgiving, his forgiving love, his forgiving heart. If we let go of our dreams and our visions, God's going to give us his dream and his vision for our life. And it's so much better than our dream or our vision. And if you've got a vision from God, then you know that. You know that's the best vision, and, and, and it's going to be tough to see that through. But, and you don't let go of that. But those dreams and visions that we just create in the flesh, we got to be willing to let those go in order for God to give us the very best that he wants to give us. Jesus summed it all up like this. He said, 
if you lose your life, you will find it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. He didn't mean, he wasn't talking about death and, and, and life there as much as he was talking about cling to the things of life. Then you, you're going to lose the good things in life. But it does apply to death and life to a certain degree. That's why I think perhaps the greatest gauge of our faith is the matter it is the manner in which we face death. I mean, all of us at some point are going to face death. And, and, and you want to measure where your face at? Then, boy, you stare death in the face and, and you can find out real quickly uh, how much faith you really have. I read a story uh, by a pastor the other day. He was telling a story about a young lady in his church and, and uh, she had a, this terrible throat cancer. And uh, the doctors gave her you know, little hope of living, but they, they, they were going to try to do a, a, a surgery to maybe save her life. Uh, even though the surgery could actually take her life, they decided to do the surgery anyway. And at the very least, she was probably going to lose her voice. And so the doctor, I guess, to just give her one last chance to speak before she went into the oper operating room, he asked her, is there anything you want to say? Is there anything you want to say? And you know what she said? She said, she said blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. That's all she had to say. Well, you talk about genuine faith, man. That lady, lady obviously had the faith to let go. And, and, and obviously she wanted to live, but she, if, if, it, you know, if she was going to die, she knew that uh, she still was ready to bless the Lord. Now, in the, today's text, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick up in verse number 20. We're going to look at three of the Old Testament patriarchs, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, who had the faith to let go. They had the faith to let go of the things of this world. I mean, I, I mean actually, they were very wealthy men. God had given them a lot of wealth. It, it, that wealth had come through Abraham, and then they had, had accumulated their own wealth. But they were wealthy men. They were successful men. But they were men who didn't cling to this world. But they long for another world. Let's look at the first of these characters in, in uh, verse number 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Now, if you study the patriarchs in the Bible, you're told a lot about Jacob. You're told a lot about Joseph. You told a lot about Abraham, but we're not really given much about the life of Isaac. And, and we're told a few things about Isaac. We were told about, we looked at that passage last week and, uh, where Isaac was finally born. He was born to Sarah and Abraham. But really that story is not about Isaac. Who, who's it about? It's about Abraham and, Abraham Abraham and Sarah and their faith to have this child. Uh, then we looked in cha chapter, at chapter uh, 22 of Genesis last week, and we're told about the sacrifice of Isaac. But who's that story really about? It's about the faith of Abraham. And then we're told about, later on in Genesis, and we, we haven't looked at this in our study in Hebrews, but we're told about Isaac's marriage to Rebekah. But if you know the story, who is that story really about? It's about Abraham's servant who goes to look for the bride and he finds Rebekah. It's really not about Isaac. But then we are told about Isaac's failure and how he went down to Gerar. And we'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. And we're told about his death.
But we're also told about this blessing that he gives Jacob and Esau. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But we're really not given much about the life of Isaac. And you know, the guy lived 180 years. He lived 180 years, and we're told very little about his life. Well, that tells me that he must have lived a pretty ordinary life. But even though he lived an ordinary life, he ends up in the hall of faith. And he ends up in the hall of faith because of this blessing that he gives Jacob and Esau. Now, you've got to ask, why in the world would, would he end up in the hall of faith for blessing Jacob and Esau? That doesn't seem like such an exceptional event. But it was exceptional in God's eyes. Now, you know the story of the blessing. You, we, we, it's in Genesis chapter 27. Uh, but, but let me give you a clue as to why this is what was so important to God uh, and to Isaac's faith. Look at what he does. It says in verse 20, By faith I, he, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning what? The things to come. The things to come. Do you know when you really have faith? When you believe in the things to come. When you're not so focused. Now, I, I, we have to live in the now. and We have to forget the past. And I've heard all of that. But our focus, if you're a born-again believer, is on our hope is in what? The things to come. And Isaac, by faith, put his focus on the things to come. So, well, you know the story. Isaac was getting old. Uh, he actually thought he was dying. He was going to live several more years, but he thought he was dying. And he was going blind. And, and so he, who was his favorite son? Jacob or Esau? Esau, Esau, Harry O. Esau, the man's man, the hunter, that was, that was Isaac's favorite son. I mean, he was like Duck Dynasty, one of the Duck Dynasty boys. And so uh, he loved, uh, uh, Isaac loved Harry O. redheaded Esau. And so he thinks he's dying, so he tells Esau, look, I'm about to pass out the inheritance. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to kill some game and I want you to bring it back and cook me a savory meal, and then I'm going to give you the blessing of the firstborn. Esau didn't hesitate. I mean, he immediately gets his, his weapons, and he heads out to kill some game. Did he have a right to do that? No. Because remember, what had Esau done with his birthright? He had sold it to Jacob for a bowl of lentils. I don't know. Lentils are okay, but they're not that good. But he sold his whole birthright for a bowl of lentils. And so he really didn't have the right to even receive the blessing. But you think he's going to keep his word? No, not Esau. He's not going to keep his word. I mean, he heads out and he's going to get that savory meal cooked. And uh, he's going to come in and, and receive the blessing. He's not going to hesitate at all. He's going to cash in as soon as he gets back. But he runs into a problem. Even though Esau was a daddy's boy... Jacob was a mama's boy. That's really where you want to be, guys. You really want to be the mama's boy. But anyway, the, 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 he's the mama's boy, and Rebecca realizes what's going on, and so she tells uh, Jacob, we've got to fool your dad. He's going to give that blessing to Esau, so we've got to fool your dad. So what I want you to do, I want you to go get some of Esau's clothes, because they're really smelly. He doesn't ever clean his clothes. So you know how he smells, so you've got to put his clothes on. And, and Jacob says, well, 
but Esau, he's so hairy. She said, we can fix that. So she, put, she puts goat skins on his arms and goat skins on his neck. So he's really, that guy must have been really hairy if that's what fooled uh, Esau. And so she cooks his delicious meal and she tells, tells uh, Jacob to go into her, to, to the father and, and give him the meal. And that's what he does. Now, Rebecca isn't in the hall of faith. We don't see her there. But I actually believe to some degree here, she is acting out her faith. Because remember when the twins were born, they were born at the same time. Esau came out first. Jacob came out holding his heel. That's why he was called heel, heel catcher. So, but when the twins were born, the Lord came to her and he spoke to her. Listen to what he said. Two nations are in your womb, Israel and Edom. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people, Israel, shall be stronger than the other, Edom. And the older, Esau, shall serve the younger, Jacob. So God had told her that the blessing of the firstborn belongs to Jacob. Now, where did she go wrong? She had the faith to believe that, but where did she go wrong? She tries to fix it herself. Was God going to let Esau get that blessing? No way. No way. But she says, well, i got to help God out. And so she devises this scheme. And it's going to cause Jacob all sorts of trouble. Lots of trouble. Big, big trouble. But God wants him to have big, big trouble. So he allows this to go on. So he goes into his father. And, and, and sure enough, his father can't see. And he smells this guy that smells like Esau. He feels his arms and he's hairy. And he said, oh, my son, my son, you know, I love you so much. And and, uh, and he passes on the blessing. But listen to how he blesses him. And he has all of this gold. He has all of this silver. He has all of this cattle. And I think that's what Esau was after. But listen to the blessing that Jacob gets. He said, you will receive the Lord's blessing, and you will be master over your brethren, and cursed will be those who curse you, and blessed will be those who bless you. What, ble what blessing did he get? The Abrahamic blessing. He was, he was made the heir of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, Esau kills the game. He comes back in. Uh, he cooks the meal. He goes into his father. He says, Father, bless me. And he, Isaac realizes that he's been tricked. He said, I've been tricked, son. But I gave my word. I gave the blessing. And I, I think he spoke by the Spirit, and he knew he spoke by the Spirit. And so what did Esau do? He wept like a baby. He wanted that blessing. And, and he said, bless me too, Dad, bless me too. And his dad said, okay, I'll give you a blessing. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your younger brother. What a blessing he got. And I think he wept some more at that point. Now, why was this event the one that landed Isaac in the hall of faith? Why did that land Isaac in the hall of faith? What was so big about that? Because really Isaac was just really kind of living by the flesh. Why did this land him in the hall of faith? Well, to understand why, you got to go back to where he failed uh, back in Genesis 26. So go back with me. Hold your place there in Hebrews and go back with me to Genesis chapter 26. And this story is going to sound real familiar to you if you're, 
if you've studied the patriarchs. Because it, hap- it seemed to happen over and over and over again. I think it's a story that happens over and over and over again to us, too. When things get difficult, we have a choice. When things get difficult, we can do one of two things. We can trust God, or we can trust our own flesh. Which is the, which is the best, better? Trust God. I wish we really acted out what we believed. Because when trouble comes, what do we normally do? We trust our flesh. We start conniving and try to get ourselves out of that trouble. Well, this had happened to Abraham twice, and now it's happening to Isaac. Look at verse number 26. I mean, chapter 26, verse number 1. It says, there was a famine in the land. Sound familiar? Besides the first famine, this isn't the one in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, does this sound familiar? King of the Philistines in Gerar. Well, he's got his heart setting on going, running as far away as he can from that famine. He's going to head on down to Egypt. And so the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. And I don't think he just told him that. I think he told him, go home. Go back home. That's where you belong. And, and, and you can trust me. Live in the land in which I tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be in Canaan and I will be with you and bless you for, for to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. Now watch what's happening here. Here's Isaac, he's a rich man. He's got a lot of material blessings, and maybe he's a little bit worried about those things. But God says, I've got something so much better for you than the things of this material world. He says, I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. In other words, you're to receive the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant. You're to bless the nations. Through you, through you, the, the Messiah will come. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's a messianic prophecy. That's something about the things to come. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, not because of anything you've done, But because Abraham believed and it was accounted for righteousness. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, he kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So what has happened right here, God has passed on the Abrahamic covenant to Isaac. And so so what does Isaac do? He gets on his camel and takes all of his goods and he heads back to Canaan. No. Look at the next verse. So Isaac dwelt. Dwelt means he moved there to stay. He dwelt in Gerar. Not the place where God wanted him, but the place where Isaac felt he would be the safest, where his family would be the safest from the famine. Now, you know the rest of the story. The same thing that happened to Abraham happened to Isaac. Isaac, like father, like son. Isaac lies about Rebekah and says, uh, she's my sister. And uh, uh, Abimelech is about to uh, bring her into his harem, and God intervenes and rescues them and, and gets them back on track. So, so God saves them. But as we come to this passage where Isaac is blessing his sons, years have passed, and Isaac has changed. He's grown in the grace and knowledge of God, and he's grown in his faith. 
And the things to come have become more important to him than the material world. He's much more uh, concerned about the promises of God than he is about his cattle and his silver and all of his, all of his goods. And so that's why that blessing, that firstborn blessing, was so important. By faith, he didn't bless Jacob or Esau with material goods. He blessed them with the promises of what was to come in their life, what God was going to do in their lives and what was God, God was going to do through them for the nations. And you know you've arrived in your faith when, this, when your faith goes beyond material things and you begin to look you begin to embrace the promises of God as the most important thing in your life. And that's why Isaac lands in this hall of faith. Now, I, I got to wonder, do you think maybe Isaac ever regretted giving that blessing to Jacob instead of Esau? I don't think he did at all. And, and the reason I don't think he did, because he knew that God had appeared to Rebekah. He knew whom that Abrahamic blessing belonged to. And so when Esau gets mad at Jacob and threatens to kill Jacob, and Jacob is fleeing, listen to what Isaac says. Go over to Genesis 28. Flip over to 28. Jacob's on the run, about to run. He's about to leave his parents. And listen to what Isaac tells him in verse number 1 of 28. It says, then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Why would he tell him that? Because you're a Jew and you're, the, you're, you're, part, you're a patriarch of the Jews. And so you got to keep the blood Jewish all the way. And so you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Actually, Esau did. He took a pagan wife. But he says, arise and go to Padan Haram to the house of Bethel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there for, of the daughters of Laban. Now, we, we, now, I wish we had time to get an old Uncle Laban, but uh, he's going to actually get two wives, and he's going to cost him 14 years of his life to get the wife he wants. So uh, that's another story. But now watch what he does. Look in verse number three. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples. You'll be a nation and give you, look at this, the most important blessing he could possibly pass on to his son isn't his gold, it isn't his silver, it isn't his, his tent, it isn't his buildings. It's may God give you the blessing of Abraham. You get that? May God give you the blessing of Abraham. To you and your descendants with you. See, that's the lesson you learn from this. That the most important thing we have are the promises of God. The blessing of Abraham. Actually, the blessing of Abraham has been passed on to us by faith. And if you're a parent here, What's the most important thing you can pass on to your children? When you bless your children and you bless them with material goods, hey, that's okay to a degree. But if that's all you're concerned about, you're going to lose your children. 
And by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob with the greatest blessing he could possibly bless him with, the blessing of Abraham. You know what, though? Jacob didn't give a flip about that. (laughs) He received that blessing, and he did not give a flip about that. Here he is, cutting and running with nothing. Esau's got all the good stuff. And I think he's kind of bitter. Yeah, Abrahamic blessing. Thanks a lot, Dad. I'm running for my brother. He's got the cattle. He's got the gold. He's got the silver. He's got all the goods. And I got nothing but the Abrahamic blessing? Thanks a lot. That's just pie in the sky. (laughs) Jacob was a young man at that point. It's going to take a while. But let's go back to Hebrews. He's going to grow up at one day. And verse number 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, it took a long, long time to get him to that point. But he blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped worship leaning on the top of his staff. Actually, crutch might be a better word there. There's three things that stand out to me in this passage. First of all, Jacob is even in here by faith. You know what encourages me? You know why I love Jacob? You know why Nathan's middle name is Jacob? I didn't want to name him George. I wanted to name him after me. So I gave him the name Jacob to name him after me because Jake, I, I can, can relate to Jacob. I mean, even after God saved me, I still had so much, and even now I'm still so carnal in my thoughts, so carnal in my desires. And it's taken God years to bring me to a point where, where I've grown some in my faith, where the, those promises are really important to me. But I was kind of like Jacob. But anyway, Jacob had faith. Now watch this. He blessed all of his sons, but this, here's the other thing that stands out, is that he blesses the sons of Joseph. See, that's what landed him in the hall of faith. He blessed the sons of Joseph, his grandsons. And then... The other thing that stands out, he blessed them while he was leaning on his crutch. He was leaning on his crutch. So there's a lot of stuff right there in that, those, those three little things that stand out in that verse. You know, the last thing that I think of when I think of Jacob is faith. That's the last thing I think of. I mean, what's his name mean? It means deceiver, heel catcher, wheeler dealer. That's, that's what Jacob was. I mean, you remember the story uh, when, when uh, well, let me say this. You want to find out where the prosperity gospel comes from? Jacob originated it. <laughs> he originated it. I have no doubt about it. You remember the story. He's running from Esau. And he, he lands in Bethel. He doesn't even have a pillow. So he takes a rock and he lays. Have you ever slept with a rock under your head? So he puts a rock under his head and he, and he sleeps with a rock under his head. And, and uh, he, has a, he goes to sleep. He must have been pretty tired. And he goes to sleep. And he has this vision. He has this vision of this ladder going up to heaven and ascending and descending on this ladder are are the angels of God. 
And, and so he has this great vision. He doesn't quite understand what it is. We've got to get to the New Testament to find that out. We're not going to get there today. But, but the Lord appears to him there, and the Lord tells him that I'm going to give you the Abrahamic blessing. I'm going to pass that on. Same, just what your father told you. I'm going to give that to you. Well, thanks a lot. Here I am with my, hey, I see this great vision. I've got this, I've got, I see angels and descending and ascending to heaven. And, and you're going to give me the Abrahamic blessing? And, and you know what Jacob said? He said, I'll, I'll take that deal, but let me tweak it a little bit. Here's what I'll do. You be with me. I mean, I like what I see here. It's pretty cool. You be with me and, and, and you keep me and protect me and give me what I want. And of all you give me, I will give you back a tenth. What a deal. Does that sound familiar? It sounds just like the prosperity gospel. And you know what God does? He takes the deal. He takes the deal. He, he, he's, he gives him what he wants. Uh, it's going to take some time, but he's going to get what he wants. Now, a, a, I, Jacob was anything but a faithful man in the beginning. When did he find his faith? Do you remember where he really found his faith? Now, he had a relationship with God, and it was a self-centered relationship, one-sided relationship with God the whole way. Do you remember where he found his faith? It was at a place called Peniel, which means the face of God. And you remember the story, Laban's chasing him from the rear. Esau's coming to him from the front. It looks like he's, he's, he's about to, he went out, sends out some messengers to Esau, I'll give you some goodies. He's still trying to wheel and deal, and Esau keeps coming with an army. And so what does he do? He gets before the Lord and begins to beg the Lord to help him, and the Lord appears to him, the angel of the Lord. And what he does, he clings to the angel of the Lord, and he wrestles with the angel of the Lord all night long. And he prevails. He actually prevails. He actually wins the wrestling match, sort of. Because the Lord takes the, all the uh, tendons out of his hip, and leaves him a cripple. But you know what? From that point on, he was a different man. In fact, God gave him a different name. No longer are you deceiver, you heel catcher. Your name is what? Israel, which means prince with God. Now, if you watch the Bible after Peniel, sometimes he's called Jacob, and sometimes he's called Israel. And you can always see why. When he's acting back self-centered in the flesh, without, not by faith, but by flesh, he's called Jacob, heel catcher, deceiver. But he's often called Israel, too. He walks with God by faith in God. And then the real proof of his faith comes in, back to Hebrews chapter 11, comes in this blessing where he blesses uh, where he blesses the sons of Joseph, worshiping as he blesses, leaning on the top of his staff. Now, it's interesting if you look at this in chapter, uh, actually go to chapter 48 of Genesis. You kind of follow along there. It's interesting First of all, that he, before he blesses his own sons, he blesses the sons of Joseph. Now, what is he saying in doing that? 
He's actually giving Joseph the blessing of the firstborn. He's not giving him the Abrahamic blessing because Judah's going to actually receive that blessing because it's going to be through Judah that the Messiah is going to come. But he does bless uh, Joseph's sons uh, as his own sons. In fact, it says he takes them as his own sons. I'm in Genesis chapter 48. Now, if you remember the story, Ephraim is the younger, Manasseh is the older. Now, who obviously would get the blessing first? The older, Manasseh. But he crosses his hands. And you put the, he puts his right hand on Manasseh and his left hand on Ephraim, which means he's given, he's given Ephraim, I'm sorry, he puts his right hand on uh, Ephraim and his left hand on Manasseh. And by doing that, he's giving Ephraim the blessing of the firstborn. He's actually choosing to give him the greater blessing than the blessing of Manasseh. Now listen to the blessing. If you go with me to Genesis 48, look at verse number 15. It says, God, and he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Now watch this. You want the gospel in a, just a piece of a verse? And the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. That's the gospel. Who's the angel? The angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? None other than Jesus Christ. He's redeemed me from all my... He's talking about his own evil. He's not only saved him from the evil of the world, he saved him from his own evil. And then he says, may that angel bless these lads. You see what he's doing there? You see the faith he has now? I mean, contrast that to back when, when he was at Bethel and, and, and all he wanted God to do was give him a bunch of goodies and he would give God back a tenth. He doesn't say to these boys, now these were rich kids, they were Joseph kids, but he doesn't say to them, boy, I, just, I want you to have even more uh, material things from this world. I want you to have nicer chariots. I want you to have a nicer home. I want you to have more wives. No, he says, bless the lad with what I've been blessed with. Bless him with the angel who has redeemed me from evil. And let my name be named upon them in the name of my fathers, uh, Abraham and Isaac. You see what he's doing here? Where were they going to end up without this blessing? They were going to end up in Egypt. He wanted them out of Egypt. He wanted them part of the Part of the, in the promised land with the promised people, the people of God, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And he was exactly right in giving Ephraim the greater blessing because Ephraim became the northern kingdom. Ephraim became the greatest of, of the tribe. It was Judah and Ephraim. And, and Manasseh was, ended up on the east side of the Jordan, and they never really amounted to anything. So he was right in doing the blessing the way uh, he did it. Now, what does that teach us about faith? Well, by faith, we trust God. We trust the omniscience of God. We trust the sovereignty of God. When, when, when Jacob crossed his hands and put his, put his right hand on Ephraim, Joseph tried to switch those hands back. He said, you're blessing the wrong kid. Manasseh's the older, and you're giving Ephraim the, oldest, the, the elder son's blessing. He says, no. No, that's the way God wants it. I trust the way God wants it. We've got to trust God. The God, we, we got to trust God 
to the fact that he's sovereign over how he blesses us and how he blesses our children. He's going to bless them in different ways. And we've got to trust him on that. And, and I, the obvious blessing, I mean, the obvious lesson again is that Jacob, by faith, I mean, he blessed them with spiritual things, not material things. You know, not, as I said before, parents, future parents, you're going to fail big time with your children if you don't follow this principle. If you don't make it the most important thing in your children's life, lives, the blessings of God. The promises of God. If you don't get them to the angel who's redeemed you from evil, they're not going to be redeemed from evil. That's the most important thing you can give them is the gospel. And you know the third lesson that I learned from this story? Here was old Jacob, an old man about to die. He had been crippled by the Lord. He'd had a pretty rough life. He had lost Joseph all those years, and man, he mourned and pined away for his son all those years. He told Pharaoh when he saw Pharaoh, I've had a hard, hard life. He had a hard life. He wasn't lying. But here he is, leaning on the very crutch that it held him up from the day God had crippled him. And yet he's not bitter at all. What does he do? He doesn't speak curses. He speaks blessings. You know what, parents, another lesson for you, grandparents, you can speak blessings into life or you can speak curses into lives. That's up to you. That's a choice we make. If we really have faith, we believe in a good God. We believe that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are according to his purpose. We believe that. And if we really believe that, no matter what situation we're in, we see that as an ultimate blessing. And so instead of cursing, like I do sometimes, and you might do sometimes, we need to speak blessings in those situations. And when we do that, do you know what we're doing? We're doing something we didn't do this morning. We did it to a certain degree, but not to the degree you can do it when you speak blessings in tough situations. We worship God. Man, you can sing about loving the Lord all you want till you're blue in the face, but till you you come to the point where you're walking by faith and you're seeing all things as working together for your good and you're seeing all things as coming from the Lord and you see the Lord as good and not evil... And, and, and you see these things as blessings. That's when you truly are living by faith. And when you live by faith, you are pleasing God. And you are worshiping God. And J- Joseph watched his dad. And he watched his dad bless his sons. And no doubt he was blessed. And go back to Hebrews. There he is. In the Hall of Faith, the last verse, today's lesson. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, wait a minute. Man, I know Joseph. Man, you talk about, everybody wants to talk about faith. Joseph, one of the characters you run to. 
Now you talk about a man of faith. I wouldn't have picked that story. What about the time when Potiphar's wife was trying to, trying to, to seduce him and, and get him to have a relationship with her, and, and Joseph fled from her? I mean, there he was. He had that opportunity, but he fled from her. Why did he flee from her? Because, because he was just a better man than everybody else? No, because he had faith. He said, I'm not, not, not going to do this unto the Lord. He had faith in the Lord. And what, what happened after he fled from her? He ended up thrown into prison and accused of rape. And you know what he did? By faith, he honored God in prison. By faith, he, 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 he blessed God while he was in prison. And I mean, here's Joseph. I mean, Joseph did all sorts of great things. And what does the author choose? I mean, I, I look, look, I go back a little bit. Look at his, what he did for his brothers. I mean, when he's second in command over all of Egypt and his brothers had had him thrown into slavery, he had an opportunity to have them killed. And he didn't have them killed, did he? Because by faith, he believed that what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, those are some of the examples I would use in the chapter of faith, the hall of faith. But the author of Hebrews, and God's the one who's directing this, chose a different story. Chose, chose the story of Jacob move, telling, giving instructions about his bones. Now, what, how in the world does that have anything to do with your faith? It has a lot to do with your faith. Joseph, Joseph was part of a uh, hierarchy in Egypt and when those Egyptian monarchs and those heads of state in Egypt were buried they were given the best burial possible and all of their chariots and all of their gold and all of their possessions were buried with them they, you know, they actually thought they, they could take it with them and they had, they had these gods of the dead that would protect them while they were lying there dead and in that state and protect their possessions but what good is that? If you're dead. And Joseph by faith knew there was something much more than that. He wasn't an Egyptian. He was what? He was an Israelite. He didn't belong in Egypt. He belonged where? In the promised land. He didn't believe in, in gods of the dead. He believed in the God of the living. And so by faith he said take my bones when you leave here. And I know you're going to leave here one day. I mean, that didn't happen for hundreds of years. But by faith, take my bones and bury them in the promised land. Because when I'm resurrected, I don't want to be resurrected in an Egyptian tomb. I want to be resurrected in Israel. Could God have resurrected him in an Egyptian tomb? Yeah. But if Joseph had wanted, wanted to be buried with all of his possessions and, and in Egypt, then that would have that would tell me that he really wasn't ready to let go. But by faith, he gave instructions to move his bones to the promised land, saying by faith he was ready to let go of all of these riches in Egypt. He wanted to be in the promised land. He wanted to see God when God lands on the Mount of Olives, in the form of Jesus Christ. He wanted to see the angel of the Lord. You know, not many rich people like that. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lesson here because Joseph was rich, but he, but he didn't cling to his riches. So, so being rich isn't a sin. It's loving your riches that's a sin. And, and 
And why? Because Joseph had real faith in the true and living God. You know, as I finish up, just, this, this applies to so much more than death. This text that we're looking at today, so much more than that. You can take an inventory of your life and you can ask yourself, what am I clinging to that God wants me to let go of? What am I clinging to that by faith he wants me to let go? I mean, is it my agenda? Is it my position? Is it my job? Is it my power? Is it my material wealth? Or it, it, maybe it's even life itself. What am I clinging to that God's saying, let go of that. Let go of that. Because I've got something so much better for you. You know, we're all privy to the same promises that were given to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. We're privy to those things. We've got such a great future ahead of us. And there's just a lot of things I think we're clinging to that maybe we need to let loose of. That's, you know, you've got to make that decision for yourself. You've got to take that inventory for yourself. But hey, ultimately, we've got to lose this life so we can find the life that the Lord has for us. That's what these three men did, and that's why they're in the hall of faith. And that's why maybe you'll be there one day if you let go. And are blessed concerning the things to come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word and just these great lessons on faith and these three characters that we watch, read about, Lord, that just over a lifetime grew in their grace and knowledge of the angel, the angel of the Lord, you, Jesus Christ, who delivers us from all evil. Lord, help us to, to take our focus off of the, the material things of this world and put our focus entirely on you, to let go of the things that are destroying us, let go of the things that are harming us, and find those things that, that, that you want to give us that are so much better. Lord, we just thank you for all the promises in your word. We thank you for your goodness and grace that we have through Jesus Christ and his blood. By his precious name I pray. Amen.